Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that we are called together, Father God, to meet on Sunday, and today we celebrate your resurrection, life that comes back from the death. We pray, Father God, that your words would be powerful today. They would be transforming, that there would be a renewing of your spirit in our hearts and in our minds and in our families and in our marriages, oh God. The things that are not supposed to die, but things that are supposed to live and flourish and be fruitful, Lord, would be our reality. We thank you, oh God, for conquering death. We thank you for swallowing up the power of the grave. You have given us life eternal, abundant life a flourishing, fruitful existence. So we pray that your word not return void, Father God, but that it would serve its purpose, that a good seed would, plant it, would be planted in good hearts and bring forth good fruit and a harvest that shows the world that we celebrate life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Our confrontation with this reality, I don't know how it happened to you. When's the first time you looked at death in its eyes? I was five years old, and my grandfather had come over. Uh, he, he was a ranch man. He would hang out at the farm, and, and there was a lot of cousins. There was four of us, and then there was extended another four cousins, and then there, there, there was a large group of young people that would play in the, black, uh, in the backyard every, every day. We had monkey bars. We had all sorts of stuff back there. Uh, we were living in Texas at the time. I was five years old. Five years old, and so I got my chick. Everybody got a little baby chick, and, and we, everybody had their chick, and we were playing with our chick. And so I, I decided, five years old, that I wanted to go on the monkey bars, and you cannot grab a chick while you're going like this and grabbing the monkey bars. So I put my little chick down on the ground. And then I got on the monkey bars, and I was going halfway across, and I got tired, and I wanted to let go of the monkey bars. And so I asked my brothers, I'm not going to accuse any single one of them, but I asked them, is my chick underneath me? Because I'm about to let go of the monkey bars. And they said, no, you let go. But they weren't paying attention. They were like, just let go. And I said, are you sure? Because I knew my chick, it's not a girl, but it's a little, little chicken, five years old. I knew it was on the ground. And I would let go, and I would land, and that's when, rest in peace, I was like freaking out. You're five years old. And so different people have the different day of visitation where they confront death. And so death haunted man for a long time. Listen what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Because a lot of us have not realized that when we are living in sin, we're living a death style. And you, he made alive who were dead by trespasses and sin. We don't understand the extent of this expression of death that we're living because I, I'm telling you, when, when I was not a Christian, I didn't know we were living a death style at home. My parents' marriage was dying. Our relationships were dying. 
everything that caused us to have a purpose for joy was slowly coming apart. And so the sadness that I felt on that day that my chick died when I was five years old, the first time I confronted it, I had never had a family member, a loss. Um, that was a rude awakening for me. Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 2, not only were we dead in our trespasses and he made us alive, we were dead because we once walked according to the course of this world. There's, there's a whole culture that, that gives you a thumbs up. Like, like this young girl said in the play, while I was with my friends and going out and getting drunk and I wasn't different than anybody else, everybody was like going okay. But I, I wasn't living a lifestyle. It was a death style. I would probably get in an accident and die in a DUI if I would have continued in that course. So the death style promotes death. The lifestyle, he says, you once walked according to the course of this world. It was according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and his spirit who now works in sons of disobedience. When you are disobeying, all you're doing is promoting death, loss. And so you understand that the greater disobedience, the greater death that works in us. That's why I don't understand this whole culture in Mexico. Why would they be celebrating like promoting death? Do you really want to invite that spirit into your family, into your marriage, into your finances? You want things to die? And so uh, when the church started many years ago, 20 years ago, the church started and there were responsibilities of marriage. We had to do weddings. We had to do baptisms. We had to visit the hospitals. There's a lot of activities that go on in church. I said, I'll take the funerals. It's like, wow, you, you have this gruesome thing about death, don't you, Pastor? No, I have an incredible celebration and good news about life. I go to the funerals and invite people that are mourning death so that they might celebrate and dance amongst the living. And so it's a powerful thing. In verse 3, Ephesians 2, 3, he says, Now among whom also we all once, we were the sons of disobedience, conducted ourselves in the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just by others. Why children of wrath? God calls us to live, and we want to promote death. Uh, my friends never said, Joaquin, come on, let's get together so that you and your marriage would survive. No, they said, come on and let's go cheat on your wife. Let's, let's go and destroy your marriage. That was the invitation. It wasn't promoting life until I met Jesus Christ. Verse 4, Paul continues to talk about the difference with death and life. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, God moves in mercy and great love that he loves us. Verse 5, he pronounces this. He says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Listen, there's a whole culture out there that's celebrating zombie. The return of the zombies, the return of the living dead. There's, there's a whole culture out there that doesn't know that Jesus Christ promotes life. And so that's why this day has to be an important day for us. This day has to be an incredible day. In John chapter 11, you should read it when you get home. John chapter 11, Jesus is told, verse 1, 
by the sisters of a man named Lazarus. A certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary and Martha were followers of Jesus. Their, so, their brother gets sick and obviously from sick goes to death. And so in this uh, story, verse 3, it says they called to Jesus. They sent to him saying, Lord, the man you love is sick. And so he delays a couple of days. A, co a couple of days fall behind. Verse 4. And, and uh, it says, uh, when Jesus heard that they said the sickness, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Verse 5. This, this sickness is not for death. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he's about to do something powerful. And basically what he does, he waits until verse 11, where Lazarus dies. These things he said after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I'm going to wake him up. Actually, verse 12, the disciple says, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Verse 13, Jesus says, no, no, he's not sleeping like you say he's sleeping. Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about him taking a rest in sleep. Jesus is talking about death. Uh, verse uh, 15, and I am glad for this sake that I was not there that you might believe. I'm glad that I wasn't there to make him good when he's sick. I want to show you the power of life. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Uh, verse 17, they show up. And everybody is bugging out because Lazarus has passed away and he found he had already been in the tomb four days. How many know that he's deader than dead? I want to tell you a story and this is really quick because we got to go. Five years ago, it was Easter Sunday and in the first row of the church, I saw a woman. Listen to this. She's the number one porn star in Europe. And she's sitting right here. She's a, a, a porn star. That means she, she's in movies with naked men and she's known all over the place. And she sits in the front row of this church. And here's what I thought five years ago. What is this woman doing here? She's going to ruin our reputation as a church. She's a porn star. And I'm like, I start thinking this woman is totally opposite of everything we stand for. This, this is like worse than a prostitute, worse than a whore. This is a woman who's known all over Europe for, for her nakedness, for her perversion, for her vulgarity. And I'm thinking self-righteous. She's embarrassing me. What is she doing here? You know what she was doing there? And as I'm preaching on Easter Sunday about Lazarus in the tomb smelling, the Lord tells me she smells to you, don't she? You, you don't like the fact she's here. In fact, if you were in the times of Jesus, you wouldn't have moved the stone because it smelled so bad. The Bible says there, look, uh, verse 18, he had already been there for four days. Uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles away. Verse 19, what is it? They said, Jesus, don't move the stone because it smells really bad. And the Lord tells me, you don't want to move the stone to get this young woman to know Jesus. 
And, and the Lord says, you know something? You are self-righteous because before you met Jesus, you smelt worse. That woman sat here in that service, and she began to cry and to weep and to ask Jesus Christ in her heart. And right before my very eyes, she went from death to life. Isn't that powerful? But the Lord called my attention, telling me, listen, you smell worse. And you're not smelling too good right now in your self-righteousness. You think you're different. So, so Jesus comes and he makes a bridge between death and life. And blessed are those that cross over because the invitation is open. How horrible it is that people continue promoting death lifestyles. And so I can't stop from talking to everybody I know about the fact that Jesus brings us back from the dead. And that's what he tells Martha in that, in that same thing. They said, Jesus, if you would have gotten here faster, my brother wouldn't have died. And that's when Jesus announces, this is way before the resurrection. He says, I am the life and the resurrection. Verse 25. Let's read verse um, 20 first. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, by, uh, but Mary was sitting in the house. Verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now even I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus says in verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. And she says, verse 24, I know he's going to rise again. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. When you raise everybody from the dead, my brother's going to get up. And Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Do you believe this? I just wonder, what would it be that we invite Jesus Christ into our families, into our marriages, into our finances, into everything that's dead, that we're just going through the motions? What, what does it mean to be alive? Miami is considered a lively city because of all of that moves in Miami, but I want to say that it promotes death. It promotes destruction. There is not a feeling of life in the midst of incredible broken families, drunkenness, sin, trespass. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Jesus comes and he speaks life in the midst of this destruction. I need to read this because the Bible says that as soon as he spoke into Lazarus' grave, in verse 8, uh, 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and there was a stone laid against it. And Jesus says, take away this stone. And Martha, his sister, said, um, who was uh, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Ooh. Don't go there. Have people that die in apartment buildings. The way their neighbors find out that they're no longer there is the stench that comes into their apartment building. I wonder what the stench of our sin and, and, and relationships. In verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? If you take a step in my direction, you'll see a manifest life you haven't seen before. 
You'll see some expression of existence that, that is the glory of God. Then they took away the stone, verse 41, from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And verse 42, I, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. Verse 43, now when, they, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And people were thinking he's crazy. People think he's crazy. And he who had died came out. He was still wrapped with his hands and his feet with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, lose him and let him go. I, I love going to funerals and telling people about the life there is in Christ. I love to, to share with the hope of the resurrection. Before Jesus rose from the dead, nobody would dare celebrate the afterlife. They didn't start burying people on the ground, bear proper burials until Jesus raised from the dead. Because from the time Jesus raised from the dead, they would say these Christians who followed Christ are sleeping. So they're laid at rest. So on the day of resurrection, God will call them forth and they will raise up to meet the Lord in the sky, in the air. And it's a part of life we don't see. If when we're living, we don't see life, imagine when we're dead. A lot of people don't understand it. One of the conversations I had with Jose about his wife, the one I had with Mima a couple of weeks ago, we're all going to die. So now the only thing left is the power of the resurrection. Did you believe in Jesus Christ? Did you receive him as Lord? Will you be part of those who raise on the last day? In 1 Corinthians 15... Paul has to address this in a very crazy manner. He says, are you guys crazy? Look how Paul, I, I thought I was tough until I see what Paul wrote here to the Corinthians. He says, are you stupid? Look what he says here. We're reading 1 Corinthians 15. And look what he says. This is super powerful. I had it written here. I got to get you this because it's so powerful. I, I don't know the words that he uses particularly, so I want to read them emphatically. Boom, 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 boom. Let's go to verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead. That's, that's the powerful proclamation of death. There's no Buddha. There's no Muhammad. There's no Hare Krishna. There's no Mormons. There's no, there's no hope outside of this life. But Christ is proclaimed that he has been raised from the dead. And how do some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? How do you say that? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, if Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, verse 14, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Verse uh, 15, yes, and we are false witnesses of God. 
We would be liars if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, verse 16, we would be false. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ did not rise. Verse 17, and if Christ did not rise, your faith is useless. Your faith is futile. Verse 17, and if Christ did not, uh, verse 18, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have already fallen asleep and have perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, if Jesus is only good for those that are alive, we are all the most pitiful. We're the most to be pitied amongst men. But verse uh, 20 says, now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first one of those who have fallen asleep. For since by men death came in, by man also comes the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all died, even in Christ, all shall be made alive. Say, that's me. That's me. If, if I received a death style from Adam, I received a lifestyle from Jesus. And there's a power working in me that is indestructible. Look what it says, verse 23. But each one in his own order. Christ goes first. Afterwards, those that are, are alive at Christ's coming, right? Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father. So it, it, it talks about these things. Verse 26. The last enemy that was, will be destroyed is death. They has no claim on me. That's what Julie May was singing. They couldn't keep him in the grave. There's no holding him back. Verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under his feet, it is evident that he will put all things under his him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, when the son himself will also be made subject to him, who put all things under him that God may be all in all. Verse 29, otherwise what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise? Why then are they baptized? Verse 31, and it says, after uh, affirmed by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of man I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. If there is no afterlife, if we don't rise from the dead, let's just party. Let's just, let's just go out and forget about tomorrow. But if we rise from the dead, let's not just do whatever we want. I need to find that verse very quickly. There it is, 36. This is when he says, you, verse 36, you foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. We have to get rid of this physical body so we get a glorified body. You, he says, you dummy. I, I have never called the church dummies. Verse 37, you need to put down what you sow. You do not sow that body shall be, that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. When you put something into the ground, you don't put what's going to come out. You put the seed, verse 38. This is the verse I always share at funerals. But God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed its own body. Verse 39. 
All flesh is not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh for men, another flesh for animals, another for fish, another for birds. Birds need to have feathers because they fly. Fish need to have scales because they swim. You need a carnal body upon the earth because you're going to inhabit earth. It breathes oxygen. But when you go to heaven, verse 40, when you get to heaven, you're going to need something else. These are, there are celestial bodies the angels, and there are terrestrial bodies. The glory of those that are in heaven is one, but the glory of the earth is another. I, I don't know about you, but you see all these people doing all these plastic surgery? They're stretching this way. They're lifting this way. They're getting that way. This body's going down to the ground, and it's looping. There's nothing more depressing than the turning 40 and looking at your backside on the mirror. Everything is dying. And the only one that gets a resurrection body is somebody who has Jesus inside. And the outer body is being destroyed, but the inner body is being renewed. There's a life in Jesus. Let's stand up this morning and let's say, Lord, I want to have that life. The Bible says he who has the son has the life. He who doesn't have the son is dead. Brother, let me say something. There's nothing uglier than a living corpse. Somebody that goes around with a death style, promoting a death style, claiming a death style. And so sin does that into our life, but he came to destroy the power of sin and to give us victory on the cross. This morning, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was watching R.T. Kendall. Those of you who know R.T. Kendall, he was here in our 15th anniversary. He had been invited to the garden tomb. He was preaching in Jerusalem this morning. For the resurrection service. It was in the tomb where Jesus is buried. And he continues on to say the same things that I checked in 2007. When we went as a church. There's nothing in that tomb my friend. There's no bones. There's nothing there. Because Jesus came back from the dead. And he was witnessed by many. Many saw Jesus. Thomas came up to him. He says I need to touch. I need to feel. And the Lord says touch and feel. There's never been a case where God doesn't tell you, touch and feel, that I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Let's ask the worship team to come up here. I don't know if they're available. Redemption, resurrection, return, repentance. This struggle of, of, of being challenged like Mary was, we get all theological. I love the announcement at the grave, Luke 24, verse 6. He's not here. Tell your neighbor, a knucklehead, he's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you? He was still with you in Galilee. He, he reminded those people it was necessary for me to go to Jerusalem and to die. And on the third day, I will rise again. Mark 8, 31, he began to teach them. The Son of Man must suffer these things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and after three days rise again. He announced it a time and time again. And then when it happened, they were like, what, what, what happened? Matthew 27, 65, take guard. Pilate answered, go make the tomb secure. Make sure nobody gets in there. So they went and made the tomb secure. They had, they had centurions they had a hundred uh, Roman guards protecting the tomb secure it by putting a seal on the stone and set a guard there a Roman guard was like a huge amount of soldiers they were protecting the womb if somebody broke into the womb every single one of them would be executed and died that's how this this was this was a an official moment I'm sure they bugged out when that the angels came 
This was the announcement. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses. Acts 3.15, you killed the prince of life, the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses. We saw this. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify. With great power, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was given them upon all. Guys, there's nothing more powerful than walking up to a dead situation and declaring the life of God in Jesus' name. Nothing more powerful. It raised my parents' marriage from the grave 35 years ago. It raised death thoughts in my mind continually. Suicidal thoughts continually going through this three-pound flesh that's in my skull. Death thoughts death music until the author of life comes in a living Christ and your invitation for that man to come in and to raise you by the bootstraps to be able to proclaim that there's a new life in Christ this is exactly what Paul would teach throughout all the churches listen to these words and you tell me Paul says now Philippians 1, 23, I have this struggle inside of me. I have a desire to leave this world and to be with Jesus, which is far better. I, I don't think we've even tasted the, the tip of the life in Christ until we want to be with Jesus more than we want to be here. He says, it would be far better for me. I have a desire to depart and be with Jesus, verse 24. But I know that the opposite side of that desire is that I remain in the flesh so that I could be here for you. There's a lot of us that, that are helping a lot of people, so we need to be here for those people while we're here. It's better for us to go with Jesus, far better. I envy the fact that Mima went before me, 96-year-old aunt, last about 10 days ago. I talked to her 10 days before she died. She goes, well, I'm scared. Why is the Lord doing this to me? I said, listen to me. We're all going to die. And she says, yeah, but why do I have to go first? I go, you're 96, Mima. You're 96. She started the church with us. She was the joy of this church. She left a legacy of victory in her life, in her old age. She loved the house of God. She loved the people of God. She, she painted for Jesus. She prayed. She sang. We sang. We, we prayed together. And then she, she breathed her last. And to be with Jesus is far better than to be here. She finished her race with joy. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Verse 25, since I am convinced of this, Philippians 1.25, since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Verse 26, so that your rejoicing for me may overflow in Christ through my coming to you again. Paul says, I'm, I'm caught between two sentiments. I want to be with Jesus in heaven, but you need me here. I need to help you continue in your faith. So that, that is our challenge today. As, as you leave church today, I, I just want you at a minimum to lift your eyes to the Lord. 
He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He lives forevermore. He's alive. He's alive and he's there for you a thousand percent. Father, thank you for this day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you for the scriptures we have read. The rejoicing that any man is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All things have passed. Behold, all things are made new. Our sin is forgiven. Our past is redeemed. Our present is sure. Our future is promising. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the faith. And thank you for the love of your presence that is with us. You have said you would never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. You would be with us till the end of the age, O oh God. You sit at the right hand of the Father, eternally interceding for us, Lord. Praying for us that we might be victorious, that we might be fruitful, that we might be faithful in you, Lord. Let it be your life in us, O oh God. The power of the resurrection, that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if it lives in us, will also lift us up to the heavens in a twinkling of an eye, Lord. In a moment, at the sound of the trumpet of God, we will find ourselves with Jesus and reign eternally with him forever and ever and ever. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the house of God says amen, 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 and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. We'll sing this song as you.